Welcome back to Fabulous Women Over 40. I'm your host, Kara Allen, and today I'm so excited for my guest, Melanie Godfried. Melanie, how are you? I'm doing really well. I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm so excited and happy that you're here. And I must say, I would love for you to intro yourself because I don't think I could do you justice, <laughs> honestly. Um, you're being very kind, but I will um, try to give the short version. I'm Melody Godfred. I'm an author, a poet, and an entrepreneur. And I have devoted the last you know, seven years of my life to exploring self-love and empowering women to choose themselves and change their lives. I love that. That is so perfect. So I wanted to just kind of dive in today to how you came about being the self-love goddess, as I like to call you, because <laughs> truly you are that. Um, so I wanted to kind of start at the beginning. So tell me about your upbringing and your family and where did you grow up and how was, how was your childhood? Of course. Well, I'll start at the very beginning. I was born in Tehran, Iran shortly Ooh. after the Iranian revolution. And when I was only a few months old, my parents uh, fled the country with me um, wow. so that I could live a life as a free woman. And Ooh. we landed after some, you know, very difficult nights in the middle of the desert and in Pakistan and then to Israel. And then finally here, we finally landed in Los Angeles. And this is where I grew up and where I still currently reside. Mm -hmm. My childhood um, had a had a real duality to it. On one hand, my parents were so committed to giving me every opportunity because that mm -hmm. is why they came here. And despite have not, having nothing, I seemingly had everything. Right. Um, and so I, I had a very beautiful childhood and it was a period of growth and learning, I think, for all of us as we acclimated mm -hmm. to this new place. And at the same time, it was also a period where early on I learned that it was my responsibility to survive. And in order to do that, I really gravitated towards this culture of achievement and productivity and defining myself through my ambition and my accomplishments. And that's really what my childhood kind of featured was me being this very soulful, creative, sensitive girl mm. who felt like in order to have value in this world, I needed to be the smartest, the best, the most talented, the most accomplished. And all within like a very loving and supportive family environment, which I'm so mm -hmm. grateful for. But I think for a lot of people who come here as immigrants, it's just this kind of do or die environment where you really do feel that, that thirst for survival on a daily basis. Wow, that's really cool that your parents were very supportive that yeah. at that early of an age, honestly. <laughs> what a yeah, gift. I mean, I was I was singing and writing music when I was four years old and my mom at the time was only twenty-five, so she was a baby herself and in a new country with no friends or family. And mm. somehow looking back, she managed to get me into like the most prestigious music schools and voice lessons and I actually sang on the Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop CD. Like I'm doing my <laughs> That's so cool. Because you have to be 40 or over to understand what that is. Lamb Chop, and, yes. <laughs> right? And I just like, I think back now that I'm a mother with three kids and I see how incredibly hard it is, even with all the resources that I have and all the 
support and education. Um, how did they do that? How did my mom yeah. nurture the creativity in me um, when no one was around to help her do it? So I'm really grateful for my parents and for everything that they instilled in me because that's really what led me to the work I'm doing now were those mm -hmm. early seeds they planted when I was a child. Well, it sounded like your both your parents, but especially your mom, had a lot of she was had a lot of fortitude. Like she mm -hmm. was a strong, strong internal person. I would say because we look at people and say, "Oh, you look so you're so strong. You can do well." <laughs> I think it's more about fortitude, you know, in the sense that you can be strong because you have to, but the fortitude that comes from being strong. I mean, growing, I, I can't even imagine what their environment was like in Iran and then coming here and it's sort of a do or die thing here too. I mean, obviously it's not the same environment mm -hmm. every day, you know, of like live or die per se like that, but it's yeah. still like, you got to figure it out because nobody's coming, you know, yeah, <laughs> nobody's yeah, coming yeah. to save you. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. She does have that fortitude is such a good word to describe her inner engine of like who she is. And, you know, there's the expression, if there's a will, there's a way. I always like to say, if there's a woman, there's a way. Because, <laughs> you know, I love that. Me, right? That, that to be a woman is to find the way and to mm -hmm. do it with grace um, and without drawing attention and without asking for a pat on the back, you just, you just do it. And the older yeah. I get, the more I realize that, um, I really can do it. And all I need to do is make sure that I am loving myself and caring for myself in the process so mm -hmm. that I don't burn out because that's how I found self-love. It was through burnout. It was trying, it was mm. after several years of trying to be everything to everyone and to do right. everything and to have it all. Mm -hmm. And um, I got it all and wasn't happy. And I thought to myself, mm. this is so sad. You work your whole life to get, to this place of security, of accomplishment, of having your family and your work. And you get there and you realize that, oh my God, somehow I left myself behind. Yeah. And for me, this period of my life leading up to 40 has been all about how do I rediscover who I am, my authentic self, and how do I bring her to the table so mm -hmm. that I can actually enjoy the life that I have? Right, because if you don't enjoy it, what was the point? Yeah. <laughs> It was all for nothing, you know, it's yeah. just, I don't, yeah. And, and I always find it an interesting thing when people say, well, how do you do it? And I'm like, okay, why are they asking me that? Is it because they want to know honestly how I did it? Or are they just like, you know, cause you just do it. What if, there's not, <laughs> you, if there's, if you have to go on, you can't just sit there again, cause nobody's coming to save you. Yeah. You just have to do it. But there, I mean, you know, everybody's fortitude is different, let's just say, or, or lack of it. You know, you bring up a really good point because I'm always really sensitive to people being like, oh, you're superwoman. How do you do it? And I'm just like, no. We yeah. are all living our own lives and we all have the things we have to get through in order to make it work. Mm -hmm. And when I go to sleep at night, I don't go to sleep thinking I'm super. I just go to sleep thinking I did my best today and that's all I can do. Right. And I try to relieve that pressure of perfection, of needing every day to be like a 10 out of 10. I check mm -hmm. everything off my list kind of day and instead like go to sleep feeling like 
I lived a little today and I wasn't yeah. just running through my list. I breathed, I smiled, I moved, mm-hmm. I expressed myself, I connected. Um, that's right. kind of my barometer for a good day. You enjoyed the day because mm. again, <laughs> I always, people say, oh, how are you today? I said, any day I'm not taking a dirt nap is a good day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not pushing up daisies, you know, um, I got all the basics that I need and you know, everything else is just whatever it's going to be, yeah. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, cause a lot of it is out of our control at this point. So we just, we just choose to have a good day. <laughs> yeah. I think choice is like a really foundational part of self-love for me. And frankly, mm-hmm. it's, it's a really foundational part of all love. Right. Um, when I got married, my dad gave me a, who was very sage-like and wise and my best mm-hmm. friend. And he just kind of pulled me aside and was like, listen, marriage is a choice you make every day. That's all mm-hmm. it is. You just mm-hmm. get up and you choose this person, this life, this relationship. He's like, and if you don't choose it for one day, believe me, it's a slippery slope. Like, yeah. It will get away from you. And that was really good advice. And I only wish that when he gave me that advice um, to almost 12 years ago now, I had also realized that the advice he was giving me was also relevant to my relationship with myself. Mm. Because we also have to choose ourselves every day. Yes. We also need to show up for ourselves every day. And when I first you know, started my life as an adult, I really didn't choose myself at all. I chose... Mm other people. I chose perfection. (laughs) I chose trying to do what I thought I was supposed to do instead of what I really wanted to do. Right. And all it got me was like a lot of resentment, a lot of disappointment and a lot of just Mm. feeling not fully alive. Yeah. And, And that's really why I write the poetry that I write. It's why I created my self love movement and the self love pinkering. It's, all about how can we create reminders in our lives that we deserve to be chosen and not just by the world and others, but by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. That's a pivotal thing that I'm kind of dealing with in my own life. <laughs> and my mother always, there's a verse. Um, I can never reread it exactly like it. I mean, remember exactly like it is. So I'll just pull it up, but I remember her saying this when I was young, she would always say, you know, God says choose, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that was in the, in the very beginning, we know what happened with, with Adam and Eve, (laughs) but in later on in some other verses, it's in Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you life and death blessing and curse. Therefore choose life that you and your seed may live. So wow. to me, like every day we get to choose, am I living today or am I dying? Am I complaining about what I don't have? Am I, you know, mad about something that happened um, two days ago? Like one of the other good things I heard was yesterday ended last night. Mm-hmm. So we have to learn how to let things go because that's what keeps us healthy, what keeps us happy, which keeps us, you know, moving forward and living in the present and not in the past and not too far in the future either. Because if you're not enjoying where you're at, you know, all of it's a journey or, or we're so busy trying to do, 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 have, 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 yeah. be, 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 <laughs> then you're not even 
present to what's going on in the moment and things just sort of pass you by. Well, I wrote this in, in self-love poetry. I wrote this poem. It says, the only way to get where you're going is to be where you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> idea that like, we, if you're not present, it will all pass you by. Mm-hmm. And you'll never get the satisfaction that you're craving so desperately. The so satisfaction true. lives only in the present moment. And it's amazing how... Um, these truths, like the one you just read from the Bible, like these are ancient truths. Mm-hmm. They're not new. And I do believe that no. on like a cellular level, it's embedded in us mm-hmm. to live and to be present and to be grateful. Right. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, like our culture is so um, kind of dotted with uh, distraction and mm-hmm all these emotions that take you away from yourself that it's really hard to just get to the essence of who we are. I mean, the other night I was putting my four-year-old son to sleep and in his like half awake, half asleep space, he (laughs) says to me, mom, we have to forgive ourselves because that's how we get unstuck. Oh my God. Where did he get that from? (laughs) Little old soul there. like what if we are all old souls what Mm -hmm. if the universal wisdom is actually within us and all we have to do is strip away all the distractions find it yeah that's so true and i feel like where we're at in life there's some there's a shift happening in the consciousness honestly Mm -hmm. and i feel like we're getting to the point where we're understanding that we are being not that we're transforming into something that we weren't, but that what we always were all along is being mm-hmm. revealed. Like all the crap is being stripped away of, you know, oh, I got to have this degree or I got to have this kind of house, you know, because that makes me successful or that makes me a great whatever. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, you can work, work, work and still and get all those things and then you're still unfulfilled because you didn't really understand that you were a whole person to begin with you didn't need yes. any of that stuff they're fun to have and look at it that way you know if, if you're always looking at it like well this would be fun to have or this would be fun to do <laughs> versus i gotta have this it makes me yeah. look like this it makes me feel like this then we would have more joy in the moment of just being happy as we are i don't know if you've ever seen that movie the shack no it's a very interesting movie and if you have i think it's on netflix um my friend gave it to me it, it was a book and i'm normally the person that never reads like fiction books i'm all about like nonfiction, you know yeah. <laughs> whatever and it's a story about a man who fell into what he calls the great sadness when something happened to his daughter his daughter was mm-hmm. like brutally murdered and killed and all this thing and so he kind of lost his joy and Mm -hmm. he's then he gets an invitation by god to come back to himself and i feel like that's what he's always doing is calling him calling us Mm -hmm. back to himself like Mm -hmm. remember who you were from the beginning Mm -hmm. before all this crazy stuff started happening this is who you were and and this is how simplistic it was and this is how simplistic it's going to be again at some point someday whenever if you believe i think we're getting there and like you use the word the shift which made me smile because 
that's the name of my new book. And oh, nice. It's poetry. Yeah, it's poetry about the shift. So it's pairs of poems. Ooh. And the left side of every page is the old way of being. And the new Ooh. right side is the new way of being. And I think the pandemic really opened this door to yes. us pausing and feeling the power and taking a pause and being mm -hmm. deliberate about what actually we need in order right. to live a fulfilled life. And one thing I'm realizing personally is that I've spent 40 years accumulating possession, right? Mm. Possession has been my like safe place. Right. I still have like all the books from when I was a kid in my garage. I have everything. Wow. I haven't let go of a thing. <laughs> and I, mm. there was so much security and nostalgia and identity wrapped up in possession. Right. And now I'm craving the freedom and liberation of surrendering to like being comfortable with less mm -hmm. and realizing that what I actually need isn't to be surrounded by stuff. It's just to be alive in the moment with the people I care about doing mm -hmm. work that is aligned with my soul's purpose. Right. And even though there is a lot of familiarity in all the possessions I've accumulated, maybe they're actually suffocating me a little bit and I need to just yeah. let it all go. Yeah. Um, and that's new. I did not feel that way a few years ago. Um, yeah. And I'm kind of embracing this shift towards not needing so much. Right. And that's been a, a really big shift for me personally. Mm -hmm. Were you an only child? I was for seven glorious years. And then uh, <laughs> my brothers were born. I'm still recovering from that. Yeah. Um, no. Um, I'm not an only child, um, <laughs> but I definitely felt like one during my, you know, early childhood. For a long right. Time. Yeah. So how was it once the brothers came and how did you adjust to that? Oh man. I, it's interesting because I feel like I'm reliving my own history right now because I have twin daughters and mm. then I have my son who's almost five years younger. And so okay. they, they also were in a way only children for a long time. And my daughter, <laughs> Violet, who is like my clone, really struggled at first when my son was born, the same way mm -hmm. I struggled when my brother was born. Uh -huh. You go from being the center of the universe to suddenly being a second class citizen and realizing <laughs> that like the world doesn't revolve around you. Right. But, but it has been four years and just like my journey, um, Violet is now the one that is actually closer to my son. Mm. And I am actually incredibly close with my younger brothers. Mm. And we have this bond that is so special and dear. It just took a little time <laughs> to have the threat <laughs> dissipate for us to get there. I think everybody has that and somewhat because same, I was five when my brother came along and then I had adjusted to it by the time the other one came. So, I, you know, oh, but I, I have a, another one who's five years younger too. So that one didn't <laughs> hurt quite as much. My, my dad still declares that I tried to push my brother down the stairs or something. I'm just like, <laughs> okay. I, I did not tells me some horrible things that I will not repeat on this podcast. Um, <laughs> no. And the funny thing is I wasn't, 
even like standing doing anything. I was holding him, but I was like playing with him around the steps. So I don't know if it was a, maybe a subconscious thing, but it was definitely not a conscious thing. Like, let me taste, you know, toss him down the stairs and see what happens. No, that was not. But my dad has it in his mind to this day. He still brings that up. You tried to kill your brother. And I'm just like, oh, what goodness. are you talking about? <laughs> Stop being so dramatic. It was not that serious. <laughs> yeah, I didn't okay. like him that much. Okay. I'm not, you know, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> so, but I think that's something that we all have to adjust to is, you know, maybe it's sort of cyclical, right? Like you, you, you're the center of the universe if you're the, the oldest child and then you're not. And then you go through dealing with, you know, when you get in teenage years and having to deal with being popular, not popular, like all these things, and then going out of that into the world, into adulthood, and then trying to figure that out because it's different from, you know, the popular and the click, but it's still sort of a version of that. And then it's sort of like coming back to yourself and making yourself the center of the universe again, but you, but you choosing it because now you've learned all the, the lessons and the hard knocks of like all of the little decades of your life that you had to kind of go through to figure out, you know, this is who I was all along. I just didn't right. know. That's, all, that's <laughs> like 90% of my work, 90% is about revealing this truth that we were always ourselves the whole mm -hmm. time. Right. And that, and I always talk about how, and this is my justification, right? Is that <laughs> you're all unique souls. There is no other melody in, on the planet, past, present, future. I'm the only one. Right. You're the only Kara. Like, and exactly. I have to believe God did that intentionally. We could have had clones. Like, why not? <laughs> well, they we keep trying to mess around and do that. that. <laughs> I mean, you know. God help us when that right. day comes. But at least for now, we are unique. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah that is intentional and i think it's because we all have divine purpose on this planet and For the sure. only thing you have to do to claim your purpose is be yourself mm -hmm. that's it because it is yeah. in your inherent self that your purpose reveals itself not mm -hmm. in the person your ego tells you you should be or society <laughs> tells you it certainly wasn't you know in the law degree i i got i killed myself to get right um, it was in the poetry I was writing when I was four years old. Like mm. I have always been this person. It just took me some time to get comfortable with the idea that it truly is that simple to be happy. You have to be right. in alignment. You have to create alignment between who you are and how you live. And, you know, when I turned 40 last month, my mom looked at me and she goes, 40 is the best until you get to 50, because then at 50, you really won't care about anything. And then it'll be even better. <laughs> and, you know, we had a good, we had a good giggle, but I understand what she means because my mom and I are really close in age. So I've been mm. able to grow up with her and alongside her. And what I have seen right. is exactly that. The older she gets, the more she lets go of, and the more mm. she just simply is who she is and who she is, right. is extraordinary. And she yeah. spent her life, I think, trying to prove something um, that now yeah. she's realized doesn't need to prove. Yeah, I think as we all eventually will have or will learn <laughs> at some point. So, you know, I think that's a lot of it is. And two, I mean, I don't know exactly what you believe, but for me, you know, I 
I've never been a religious person because I feel like religion is all about do and don't do and the law and, you know, whereas for me, it's a relationship with God. That's all he ever wanted with us was to be in relationship. And so part of that movie, The Shack, is you really finding out how special you are to God. Like He thinks about you all the time. He's thought about you since before you were even born, <laughs> you know? And I think that that's what a lot of people don't realize or haven't realized is that you are loved, you know what I mean? Like in an extraordinary way, like that you never even could imagine. And if we yeah. kind of realize that, and then you apply that in your with your own self and your own love, because sometimes the world tells us, oh, it's vain to love yourself and it's this. Oh, it's, there's a difference between conceit and just knowing that, you know, you are loved and that it's okay for you to love yourself, you know, not like yeah. you're the best thing to slice cheese per se and like nobody else matters, but did you matter to you? And then amazing that we live by in default a culture that um, you matter like, to those people around i just think it's amazing it's that weird it's sort of we a backwards a weird thing <laughs> yeah like you should matter to yourself and there shouldn't be guilt in that but yeah. what we're talking about is that deep belonging to yourself not the like right. superficial selfie like i look good today <laughs> yeah I think the selfies, I don't know what the, where it's interesting when that whole phenomenon ha started happening, it was just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's cute to like take a picture. Oh, I like myself. I like the way I look today. That's fine. You know, but it's when it becomes of anything obsessive when it's just too much is just when the issues start to happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. So, and things like that, it's just like, yeah, that's a lot. You do a lot, <laughs> but okay. okay. If you like it, I love it. <laughs> Whatever, you know what I mean. And learning not to judge a, one another because we don't know everybody's journey. And even if somebody tells you, you don't necessarily know because you didn't live it with them. You know, even if you were around them for some part of it, you didn't walk in it, walk with them in it. In that sense, only God really walks with us in anything. <laughs> you know. So he knows. So, yeah. so, I mean, what would you tell? Oops, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that a little you know, oftentimes if we're triggered by someone else's attention towards themselves, it's because we're mm. not giving ourselves enough attention. Mm, that's so, a good point. Yeah. You know, we're bothered by it for whatever reason. Yeah. Because why would you care if somebody was doing whatever, you know, if, if it's on social media, you're free to turn to another station. You don't have to watch if it bothers you that much. But, you know, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of times when people haven't given their, themselves permission to do, be, have, whatever. And so when they see somebody else, it triggers that thing, but they don't necessarily know that that means it's there to give you that permission. It's there to say, it's okay for you to be you too. You know, it's not like yeah. you gotta attack them for being whatever, you know, it's literally like, hey, you know, this is the freedom that you can have for yourself as well. You know, when I was younger, I used to feel really guilty anytime I felt envy or jealousy. I would like mm. hate myself. Like, why do you feel that way? That's such a bad emotion. 
Right. And now that I'm older, I think of it as a ping, something to make me curious. Mm. So if I see that I'm envious of someone, instead of making it a big deal, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I must really want that. Right. Like, okay, great. What an opportunity to learn about what my needs are. That mm -hmm. it's triggering a little bit of envy, and then it nips it in the bud because I can start creating for myself whatever it is I saw that I realized I wanted, and mm -hmm. the envy goes away. It simply plays a role in my self discovery as opposed to making it about the other person. Yeah, that's interesting. There's a book I read called Desire, and um, there was one thing he talked about in there was that whenever we see something else and it sparks something in us, whether it's interest or envy or whatever it is, sometimes it's there, like you said, it's like a ping to say, oh, well, and then to, to explore it, because it's not necessarily like, oh, say if you're a single woman and you see someone have it that's in a relationship that they're really close or whatever it is, that intimacy, and you really want that then it's not like you want that man, <laughs> you yeah. want that intimacy, right? Like that's what it's meant to do. But sometimes people misinterpret it as, oh, I want that. But you don't even know what that is. Like well, <laughs> you don't know. Worse, they think I don't want them to have that. Like that's what yeah. starts getting dangerous is when right. you have ill will towards someone who has right. something you might have instead of having like love and joy for them and realizing mm -hmm. They have that, and now I know I would like to have that too. Right, and I can have that. That's yes. available to me too, you know. And but I had to have the awareness that I even wanted it for it to even be able to come to me, <laughs> because sometimes we bury things, you know, or we're not aware of what we, you know, we've been saying. Oh, I, I don't want that. I can't have that. I, da, 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 you know, whatever it is, and we haven't given ourselves permission to do that. I think also when, you know, when we're in a period of like survival and like fight or flight and mm, true. sometimes you get really numb to desire because you're just operating on this, you know, just enough level of life. Right. And we all need desire and intention and hope mm -hmm. in order to be our fully realized selves. Like we are not so here simply to survive. You're no, you already here. did that. Yeah. If you're here, you already did that. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you already survived. <laughs> it's time I to live. Remember. Exactly. It's time to live and to live beyond what we think is possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and that requires allocating some time to dream, to wonder, to explore. Right. And I don't know how many of us are doing that. Like how many of us are allocating time each day to just simply dream about what we want for ourselves or to feel desire at all. Right. Um, and that's really what I'm working on is I, I shifted my whole career over the past two years from running like a e-commerce jewelry business and a resume mm -hmm. writing business. I had two businesses I was running at the same time mm -hmm. to now being a full-time author. And it all started in January of 2021. I did a clarity exercise where I did a visualization mm -hmm. that was, mm -hmm. it was like a guided visualization that was supposed to lead me to my true desire. And nice. I've never done things like this. And I was a little skeptical, but when I did this meditation, I saw myself at on stage at like a book launch 
Mm. And I was like, okay, like that's where I want to be. That's cool. Yeah. And what's really exciting is this fall, I'm having a book launch at Barnes and Noble at like one of the biggest bookstores in Los Angeles. Nice. That vision is happening, but it only happened because I made space um, to honor it and to figure out what it is I want instead of just trying to grab onto everything around me in order to feel safe. Right. Because I think in fear, when we're when we're in fear, or like you said, scarcity or survival mode, you there's just no room for dream or desire necessarily. It's, it sounds foolish or and probably somebody around us would have told us that. Well, you don't have time to think about that right now. <laughs> You're just trying to figure out how to live. We're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I think the pandemic really taught people how to slow down and revisit what was important you know, which is family, friends, ourselves, you know, health, (laughs) hello, Um, (laughs) you know, all these things, taking a minute to go outside and look at the sky and the flowers and, you know, breathe, like that became hard for some people just to breathe, right? Mm -hmm. So it's been an interesting thing and nothing happens by accident. It's all an interesting design, but it's not to designed like we're puppets and to control us. It's really to give us more freedom, honestly, and to live bigger than we would have imagined. So, yeah. So how do you think your experiences in your, in school, like, um, I know you said you went to law school and even before that, when you were a teenager and how did all those things shape you being an adult or, or getting to your adulthood? Um, I'm really fortunate. I went to some extraordinary schools and Hmm. I, I still feel like some of the things that I learned in high school, for example, stay with me today. Hmm. Um, And, and so I think having this great foundation that opened my mind, not only to what exists in the world, but also what exists within me has been like a real catalyst for all the growth and, Uh, learning I've accomplished as an adult, because I realized very early on that whatever I think my limits are, I'm actually capable of so much more. And that was really the core thing that my education gave me was this understanding that I am capable, I'm limitless. Like there is no end to how much I can learn and how much I'm able to apply myself. Right. And, um, I, I guess I learned that I can always count on myself. That's what mm. my education really taught me is Melody, at the end of the day, you can count on yourself. If there's an exam, you're gonna study for it, you're gonna get through it. If there's you know, <laughs> a job you need to get, you're gonna find a way. And it may right. not be a direct line because if there's anything I've learned in adulthood is that life is hardly as linear as our education system would suggest. No. Um, but I am capable of weathering the journey and growing along the way. And more than that, like making a positive impact on the world around me as I engage in that self-discovery and learning. Right. Hmm. Did you have any mentors that you looked up to when you were coming up? And then did you get to meet any of them? That's a great question. I mean, in terms of when I was really young, my mentors were very much my family and also my piano teacher. 
I started, hmm. her name is Sheila Heckmat. I started piano lessons with her when I was seven years old. And nice. what was so special about her is she saw from that early age that I was interested in composition. And hmm. so she made it possible for me to write my own music at seven. When I was 13, she helped wow. me record a song in a recording studio. I mean, like she truly, so cool. right? Like at such a young age made me feel like my voice was worthy of my mm. own attention. Love that. And so she was an absolute mentor uh, growing up. And, you know, in recent years, especially since I started exploring the idea of self-love, I've really enjoyed um, watching Tracy Ellis Ross. And mm -hmm. when I, you know, first started Fred and Far and the self-love pinky ring in 2016, mm -hmm. I had this bucket list of in my mind of like, if I could have anyone wearing my ring, who would it be? And <laughs> she was at the top of my list because I mean, like I was following her from like girlfriends every single episode. I just loved her character in that because I identified with this Joan character who yeah. didn't necessarily have the traditional path. And she was a lawyer and she was really smart and she had great style. Right. So I kind of <laughs> fell in love with her and her character. And, you know, in, in 2019, I did get a ring to her and she's been so nice. supportive ever since. And that was kind of like a pitch me moment. And um, I also have had like little run-ins, not directly yet, but I'm still manifesting with Oprah because I feel like she was one of the first people who made me feel like it's okay to talk about these alternative things like self-worth mm. and right. purpose and joy and connect on a really human level around those things and not make it something that was very ac academic or out of reach. Um, and so really, I think we're really fortunate to live in a time where our mentors aren't that far away from us. We get to experience them you know, through mm -hmm. social media or other content, like on a regular basis and whoever speaks your language, you can reach them. And I'm really lucky that now that I'm a poet and I have my books out in the world, people find my books and then they DM me on Instagram and we get to have a conversation about it. Yay. That is so beautiful that I could write mm -hmm. something and then someone will want to tattoo it. Like this happened last month, a woman got my poem tattooed on her leg. Um, and we nice. got to chat about it, right? And I got to be part of her journey through that. So I think it's really beautiful that so cool. we have access to the people who inspire us in a way that's truly unprecedented. That is, that is so true. That's the best thing about social media. <laughs> I mean, there's so many interesting things about it, but that's definitely, we're not in the six degrees of separation anymore. We're almost at the one degree because you can actually, a lot of them do, um, you know, handle their own social media yeah. so you can reach out and you might get a response back. <laughs> you know, it's kind yeah. of interesting. I really I enjoy that. Um, and yeah, and Oprah's long time been one of my favorites. Yeah. She just, the way she tells her story and <clears throat> the at the intervals of different parts of my life. I, I haven't met her, but I did attend uh, an event she did in Baltimore when she was first starting her on tour kind of thing. And I was seven rows back from her. So it was just like, it was so close, <laughs> but haven't met, haven't met her yet, but definitely somebody randomly, the weirdest thing in 2009 called me 
and I don't know this woman, but we're connected on like some social media platform. And she said, you know what? Don't, I, I hope you don't think this is weird, but literally God told me to call you and tell you that he saw you on stage speaking with Oprah. And I was like, <laughs> really? Wow. And so then when after her, her, you know, show stopped at 25, I was like, hmm, well, maybe not. And so then every time I think about it, somehow this woman messages me and says, I still see you speaking in front of millions of people or inspiring people or something. She has some, every time I saw it, probably wow. now because I just said it, she'll reach out to me today because <laughs> that's well, literally, yeah. I hadn't thought yeah, about it in a while. Tell. It was really interesting. So, you know, and she does do her Super Soul Sundays and um, maybe that, I don't know. But yeah, and one of her Super 100 teachers, uh, Gord. Jordana Birnat was my first interview because I uh, actually read her book, Know Your Know the Truth. And I read then and I reached out to her on social media and we were following each other on Twitter and I gave her a great book review on Amazon. And then she started doing coaching. So during the pandemic, when you know it was just life was crazy, she was one of the coaches that I had and she helped me through a lot of things that were happening in my life with the kids and it <laughs> was a lot going on. And so it was really cool to, you know, have a great conscious conversation with her like we're having. And she she's a great person, too. So, yeah, it's just interesting how everything it all comes together. Right. At some level, we don't see it. You know, we're always busy trying to make our little plans. And God's like, child, please. You know, I already have that worked out. <laughs> you don't even have to do anything. It's just going to show up when it's time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Our, our only job is to remove the barriers. And yeah. barriers can be shame, it can be guilt, it can be fear, mm -hmm. it can be you know, the memory of trauma that we carry yeah. into our present. Those are all the barriers that stand in the way of us living authentically and with intention. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. a good job. Like you don't need to fight to be who you are. You just right. have to remove <laughs> barriers so that it comes with ease. And that's yeah. one word I really I keep welcoming into my life this year. Like I always make a vision board at the mm -hmm. beginning of every year. And I knew I was turning 40 this year. And on my vision board, it's all about, you know, a drop of calm, ease, you know, yes. just being. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, it hasn't been the easiest year. There's been a lot of change in my household and I've had to be really adaptable. And, yeah. but in all of that, there's still ease underlying it because mm -hmm. I am so fiercely committed to being present. Like we talked about at the beginning, right? And I have enough energy to cope with whatever happens to me today. Whereas before mm -hmm. I think before I started practicing self-love, there was so much energy being spent worrying either about the past or about mm -hmm. the future. Right. And I didn't leave a lot of energy to be in the present. Whereas now right. I'm really, really actively trying to just make my home where I am. And that home mm -hmm. in my mind, in my body, in my spirit is here with you in this moment. You're right. <laughs> well, like, like, I don't remember where I heard it, but yesterday ended last night. Yeah. So leave it whatever it was. And, and even in, in the Bible again, right? We talked about how when the children of Israel were in the whatever out in the wilderness how he gave them manna every day and it was just enough for that day and then it would like you couldn't eat it the next day and he gave a fresh bin the next so it's just like 
God's mercies, God's grace is new every morning. And we just take that and learn yeah. to leave the parts that don't, you know, leave the parts that aren't so great to him, you know, and he's really good about he's smoothing those round edges out, <laughs> right. you know, if we allow him to. Like using your mana, you know, example, it's also about enjoying the gifts we are given today. Mm -hmm. I feel like so much of my life, the mentality I had was to save the best for later. So, mm -hmm. you know, on my like birthday, someone would give me a gift card. I wouldn't spend it. I would save it for later. Someone give me mm -hmm. a bottle of champagne. I wouldn't open it. I would save it for later. As though wow. later was the special occasion and life today wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And in reworking my point. relationship with the present, I save the best for nothing. <laughs> today <laughs> is the best. <laughs> and you know whatever you believe whether it's god or the universe or or even if you believe nothing and you're just right. alive in this moment <laughs> if being alive in this moment isn't enough then what is right like what reason do we have to celebrate beyond this right so, being here right now mm -hmm. yeah so i'm really working on you know eliminating this you know save the best for later <laughs> mentality and enjoy yeah. what I can here and now. Um, That's true. Yeah. Um, so what's the best thing about being a mom and what's your biggest challenge with your kids? Great questions. I think the best thing is seeing the world through their eyes. I get a fresh mm. perspective that's undiluted by so true. life. And mm -hmm. the way they see the world and the integrity they have and their willingness to share about it authentically. Mm -hmm. Half my poetry, I swear, is inspired by something that they say. And they don't even realize <laughs> that what they're saying is profound. Right. Um, and they also really ground me. You know, when my son um, was maybe like a year old and he was just learning how to speak, one of the first phrases he learned to say was wake up and he would say that if we were ever on our phones, he would swat the phone away and he would say, wake up. And oh my gosh. That is a gift that I don't know any other way you could get than like a ch yeah. child reminding you to wake up, like right. live with me, play with me, be with me. Like, mm. what are you gonna find on the internet that's better than me right now? <laughs> Um, and so really exactly. they, they, they teach me, they heal me. Um, and then to your other point, they really challenge me, especially my daughters, they're twins, they're almost 10. And, uh, that pre puberty transition <laughs> is happening. And yeah. I think the challenge I'm having right now is for 10 years, I've had them as children. I've had right. them as these grateful, joyful, curious, awe-inspired little beings. And now I see the claws of like adolescence kind of mm. getting into them. And <sighs> they're a little angrier. They're a little more disappointed. <laughs> they're, you know, and yeah. they're losing a little bit of that tenderness mm. that they had. And so I think right now I'm trying to figure out how do I give them the tools that no one gave me? Right. Because 
no one taught me how to monitor my thoughts or how to express my feelings or how to take mm. care of my body right. when I was 10 years old. Like, no. there was none of that. Like, no, no. Um, <laughs> I, but at the same yeah. time, I also don't want every day to feel like a, you know, like a therapy a job. for them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want them to have to work so hard. So that's mm-hmm. really been the challenge is how do I give them the tools they need in order to make adolescence a little less damaging so that they yeah. don't need to spend their twenties and thirties unraveling to get back to. Oof, who they yeah, were. that's true. Um, but buckle up buttercup. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. Mine are uh, 28, 26 and 21. Whew, Lord Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> and you know, I can tell you're not one of those parents like I wasn't, but I've heard people say like, oh, your kids are like whatever, 20, whatever it is. You're almost done. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you're not done I'm until 40. they're dead or you're My dead. Not okay. done. No, you are right. It's never done. <laughs> not happening. I mean, they just need you in a different way, you yeah. know? And it's interesting as I've, come across some issues with my own kids it's like hmm maybe i owe my parents an apology about that <laughs> and maybe just that not everything <laughs> but that in particular you know because uh, it just shows up you know sometimes the things that they were trying to get across maybe they weren't articulate in it <laughs> or didn't know how to say it or whatever but yeah i've seen quite a thing few things show up and i'm just like e okay i, I, I kind of get it i get it now all right yeah. but you know <laughs> I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of going back and saying, you're right. <laughs> oh, no. I tell them that all the time. I, I'm just like, mom, because my mom and I, we were really close until I was like 10. And then we had a very hard time during my mm. teens and early 20s. <laughs> yeah. And I just. And it's like even sad. worse now. I mean, honestly, with all the distractions, like you were saying, oh, all yeah, the social media, like all the stuff. Cell phones. Like, yeah. How? How am I gonna like my girls don't have their own devices yet, but they're itching mm. for them. <laughs> and uh, I just want to be like, no, don't sign up for this like horrible relationship with technology that's gonna control your life. Like, stay yeah. free as long as possible. But yeah, it's inevitable. And I think just like anything else, our role as parents is to just give them tools and support them yeah. as they navigate through life. Like I can't control them as much as I no. like to. No, um, <laughs> that's and, an illusion uh, that we all seem to have. Kind of control in general is an illusion. I thrive when I yes. surrender. I mm-hmm. don't do well when I control, even though for so many years I thought that like, I just got to hold everything in my hands and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> And uh, all that did was just make me feel terribly unsafe all the time because I had so much to lose. And now I'm just, I coach yeah. myself, like, if this happens, you'll be fine. If that happens, you'll be right. fine. And getting comfortable with the uncertainty and getting comfortable with discomfort, um, I yeah. think it's made me a better person and also a better mom because yeah. There is no perfection in life. And the best thing I can do is model for them. I think that is my role as Mm -hmm. a mother is how do I model for them a healthy relationship with myself, with other people, with my work, with my partner, because they Mm -hmm. absorb everything. And one of my daughters, she's just like eagle eyed. Nothing gets past her. 
she hears everything <laughs> she sees everything and like weeks later she'll be like oh remember when you said that to dad and i'll be like you were listening she's like i hear everything yeah they do so <laughs> Um, well, yeah. Be mindful. Uh, my <laughs> best, and it's what I told you earlier. I don't end the day thinking I'm superwoman. I end the day right. thinking I did my best today and loving myself. In that. right, yeah, and like the four agreements, your best is going to be different depending on whether you were sick, whether you felt great, whether you had enough sleep, <laughs> whether you had enough exercise, whatever, all those things, and giving ourselves and each other some grace for that because I think we're in a society now where everything is instant microwave. Everybody wants this, that move quick, drive fast, run people down. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just a little nuts. And it's yeah. like, oof, you know, okay. Are you okay today? <laughs> you know, and being mindful that just, you know, when people behave a certain way, not to take it personal and not to necessarily react. Cause that's hard. Like somebody honking at me, <laughs> like literally I'm like, ah! you know, and I'm like, okay, shh, just well, relax. I tell my daughters, I, you know, when I see them being reactive, I, I ask them, I'm like, do you want to let someone else's worst inspire your worst? Like, yeah. are you going to mirror, like, are you going to become a mirror for other people's bad behavior? Because that's what reactivity is. It's like, yeah. oh, they honked at me. So I'm going to scream out the window. If you're not someone <laughs> who would have screamed out the window to begin with, like, why are you letting someone else's bad choice? Right. Um, bad behavior. And that's also what I tell them. It's like, it's not about bad people. It's about bad choices. And we all make yeah. bad choices sometimes. And that also means we have the power to make a better choice next time. Right. And again, the grace there, because, yeah. you know, sometimes people, depending on how they grew up, it, they were treated harshly. So they don't know how to, they treat their own selves harshly as a result of it and everybody else. And they don't have any room in there to just, okay, you know, I can accept that that happened. And, you know, as long as it's not repeated bad behavior all the time, then, you know, give somebody and yourself a little bit of grace. Every We're all dealing with something. So, yeah. I mean, What's the legacy that you want to leave your kids? Oh, wow. That is a great question. I, I think the legacy is that we are all able to feel whole within mm. ourselves. Mm. And from that place of wholeness, we are able to share our gifts with the world and make the world mm. a better place. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to get to that sooner than later maybe right like i mean i just turned 50 i don't know on the fifth and so it's sort of like this cool thing where it was just like 50 really and then like wow that's kind of cool though like i don't feel 50 i don't look 50. <laughs> i don't know what 50 looks like but yeah i don't think that i do and so it's sort of like well, what do i want to do now with the rest of what time i have left i mean my grandfather passed last year when he was, or no, the year before last, he was 95. But I remember when he was 93 or so, something like that. I was like, wow, he's, I'm half his age. So like, what am I going to be doing when I'm that age? If, you know, God willing, I make it that far, what am I going to be doing up till that point? You know, like what, what do I want to do that's going to make the world better that I was here? That's kind mm -hmm. of what I think about with just in general. And I feel like if we all kind of had that spark, 
that may, you know, bounce around since we're all kind of, we're all connected, <laughs> no matter what anybody says, we're all connected <laughs> and we get, can affect change with each other. I, I've always believed that that's what God is and that's how God works. It's the energy mm -hmm. that connects all of us. And the sooner we right. realize that we have it within us and mm -hmm. I have the ability to impact it in you and vice versa, like right. we are connected. And yeah. the holiest thing we can do is show up from a good place mm -hmm. and use that goodness to help others do the same and, you know, alleviate some of the conflict and resistance mm -hmm. um, and pain that comes when you're not in opposition to yourself and in denial of the fact that we're all connected. Right. So, and then I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We're the same. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, honestly, at, at a purely scientific level, like you learn in school and physics that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. And right. energy is energy. So if you believe that and we're all made up of it, then we should just start thinking about what can we do with all this energy that we have? <laughs> right. It's true. Yeah. How are we going to do it? There's a lot. Of there work is. To be done. There is. So with your rings, I mean, I have four of them. <laughs> so what was the catalyst for creating those rings? And what was the response when, when you started creating that? I wanted to, I'm going to grab mine so I can kind of hold it up here. Um, this one's my favorite one, the white sapphire. Yeah. The classic. It was meant, you meant them as a pinky, but I made mine as to, always yeah. choose myself like at, like I'm married to myself I'm with myself more than I'm with anybody else right so yeah. I you know sized mine for that and we had a great conversation about all the ones that I ended up picking and I love every one of them and I wear them yeah. but yeah tell me tell us about how did you come about choosing these rings and what's that been like to create these for all these wonderful women so you know, it came to me on a very personal level. It was the beginning of 2015. I had a husband, I had twin toddlers, I had a house, I had a dog, I had everything. And yet I wasn't happy because the thing mm. that had been left behind along the way was me. Right. And it was January. It was like new year, new you, blah, blah, blah. And I thought to myself, <laughs> okay, Right. I don't want a new me. I want the old me. I want to know <laughs> how do I bring melody into this equation and right. you know having been recently married like when i got married my husband had given me an engagement ring and i was wearing it so proudly as a symbol of my relationship with him right and i realized like what about my relationship with me like mm -hmm. doesn't that deserve a symbol to the world and a reminder to myself and right. so i had a ring made and i put it on my pinky because i'd never worn a ring there before Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't want this just to be another piece of jewelry. I really wanted it to symbolize this commitment I was making to myself with mm -hmm. the idea that every single day when I looked at it, it would be my reminder to love myself and choose myself and get to know myself and care for right. myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. And within a month, things started shifting mm. because every day I, I was accountable to myself in this really new and beautiful, sparkly way. And, right. And then I thought to myself, well, I can't be the only person who feels this way. Right. And so then I set out to design a ring 
that really embodied this message of being a divine chosen woman and mm -hmm. practicing self-love and self-care. And I chose the trillion, which is like a triangular shaped stone mm -hmm. because it's the same shape as the divine feminine right uh, in ancient times which is the inverted triangle mm -hmm. um, and i started with the white sapphire because it's a, it's a stone that evokes clarity and connection mm -hmm. with self nice. and you know when i brought the ring out at first the first few months it was only something that really like my friends and family knew about and then mm -hmm. i had the good fortune of having one press piece written in and racked which is now like a defunct publication Mm -hmm. But something clicked, this idea of wearing a ring as a reminder to yourself. And it came with a pledge card where you make a pinky promise to love yourself and you sign your name. Mm -hmm. And from that one piece of press, within two months, we're 100 pieces of press all around the world. Mm -hmm. And we went from having like one order a week to 100 orders in a day. And nice. what was really exciting about that is because of all the press, it birthed this conversation around self-love, this self-love pinky ring, this, what is this? What is this women yeah. loving themselves and choosing themselves? <laughs> right. And um, it was really beautiful because as women joined our movement, one of the things we did from the very beginning was ask them to share their stories. Mm -hmm. And we collected hundreds of stories that showed that even though no two women have the same journey, that mm -hmm. power of the moment where you decide to choose yourself is right. universal. Like it yeah. is just this beautifully powerful moment. And for five years, that's what I had like the great privilege of doing, which is witnessing and celebrating women and creating this sisterhood of chosen women who, mm -hmm. who are brave enough to love and choose and care for themselves every day. Right. And that was, you know, the name of that movement is Fred and Far. And it was in cultivating this community that once I asked women to choose themselves and they said, mm -hmm. yes, I will choose myself. What followed up was, okay, now what does that mean? Because you can <laughs> want to love yourself and choose yourself. Right. How do you translate that into a daily practice? Right. And that's when I started writing poetry and exploring what I call the ABCs of self-love, which is my guided mm -hmm. journal, because it isn't like an obvious thing. And it's not the same for any two people, but I do believe that there are some foundational concepts like boundaries and gratitude and mm -hmm. honoring your intuition. Like these are all the ways in which you can commit to the ritual that is self-love. Right. And, and you know, what's really interesting is it all started with me wanting to reconnect with my authentic self and mm -hmm. my authentic self is a poet. And so mm -hmm. having signed a book deal and having my books out in the world right now, it is like an emblem of what happens when you decide to commit to yourself daily. And the ring was the catalyst of that for me. It was mm -hmm. and is the daily reminder of how can I bring my most authentic self into my world on a daily basis. And I'm just grateful to witness how other women have been able to do that. Like even for you, like this podcast is part of your journey of honoring right. who you are and getting you closer to get that prophecy of being on stage right. <laughs> with your, your mentor. So 
no two women have the same path, but we're all really united in our commitment to that self-love path, which is really beautiful. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't know when I found you, but I, I think you had another ring too before that you didn't, you weren't making anymore. And I was like, dang, I missed that one. Cause it was one that I, I can't even remember what it looked like now, but I was like, that one was really cool too. <laughs> it was another design that you had. And I was like, man, but then I was like, well, this is what's here. And I like these two, so I'm going to get one. <laughs> and I started wearing it again every day on my 50th, from my 50th birthday. I had didn't go out today yet. So that's why I didn't have it on. But um, yeah, as a recommitment to myself, like I'm going to choose me and stop, you know, trying to control, force, figure out, <laughs> just honor myself every day, you know, go about my day doing what I need to do and uh, and having fun in the middle of the day too. And, you know, we just need that reminder because sometimes we just get sucked down that hole of like what we don't have and where we're not at yet and what hasn't shown up yet and what or who hasn't shown up yet, <laughs> whatever. But I think it's really beautiful that you did that in the midst of being engaged to, you know, your husband, because that's a pivotal thing. You know, we can, that's, when you think about it, the whole thing about, oh, the Disney story of, you know, the prince coming and rescuing you and <laughs> whatever all that nonsense is that we've known since we were kids of like, you're, you become something when you get a husband or you become valuable or whatever. No, we were already valuable, you know, and we had to see that even though society in the world is not honored women in that way necessarily, but, you know, we're, moving back to that and i think the shift another part of the shift is seeing how pivotal women are to the world and yeah. that's why i think it's so we have been so attacked and abused and this and that because there's more going on that meets the eye in my opinion and we've also been like pinned against each other right like yeah. women are put into these categories of oh, she's married, she's not married, she's a mother, she's a worker, she's widowed. And what I loved about the self-love pinky ring and the community we created, it had nothing to do with the labels you wore. Right. It had everything to do with you just being you. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people were single who wore it and then they got married later and still wore it. Some people mm -hmm. were married and then would wear it. Some people were divorced or not even interested in a relationship. <laughs> it was people from all walks of life. And even there were some men who were like, can I, can I make this commitment too? Yeah. And this one woman had one made for her husband. Nice. And we like had to make like a much bigger one and just change the mm -hmm. design a little bit for him to wear it. But she was like, it's important for me that he commit to himself as well. Yeah. And that we show up into this relationship. Yes, we are choosing each other, but from a place of having chosen ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think men oftentimes don't have such a big problem with choosing themselves. So maybe they need to remind <laughs> her a little bit less. You're right. Um, but I think giving ourselves permission as women giving ourselves our highest, most abundant love, not the leftover mm -hmm. love, not the end of no. the day, I work myself to the bone, I sacrifice myself love, but that first thing in the morning, my cup is full love. We deserve that love. And yeah. my hope is that the ring is a reminder that we deserve that top of the morning, 
not right. depleted, the sun is shining love for right. ourselves. I, I love that. I, it, I, when I found it, I was just like, oh, this is it. <laughs> um, because I think I'd been on a journey of that for a while. I mean, I'd been in a community in New York. Um, Regina Thomashauer, affectionately known as Mama Gina, created the School of the Womanly Arts. And oh, yes. it was all I'm about familiar. honoring. Yeah. <laughs> all about honoring your femininity and honoring your sisters and we're goddesses and all those things. And, you know, I found an interesting, so there was a lot of things I was already doing before I got into that space, but then getting in it was a reminder, just sort of like everything, reminding you who you are, <laughs> reminding you of your greatness um, and finding the sisterhood within it and all these women that were really embracing themselves and, and embracing each other and all of those things was like, man, yeah, it's just, it's a long journey from where we start to where we end. But you, you know, it, it is about the journey. It's about, you know, all the little great things you see and find and encounter along the way. And I think if we were more in a culture that embraced that versus like, like get to the finish line, yeah. <laughs> this is where you gotta go. And then you get there and then it's like, um, now what? <laughs> That's the perfect description of how I felt. Like I did all the things I went mm -hmm. to school. I got grade A's. I was student body right. president. I double majored. I studied abroad. I went to law school. I got, wow. the, I got the job as a litigation attorney at the office on the 20th floor. I, I had the husband, I had the kids. Mm. And then I was like, now, now what? <laughs> you know, like, and one thing that I've really shifted in my perspective of how I view my life is I used to see my life as a line and it was like a line that needed to go like this. It needed to go mm. forward and up and it was accomplish, mm -hmm. accomplish, accomplish and move forward, forward, forward. And now I think of it as like right. an orb where instead of moving forward and up, I go deeper within yeah. and the closer I get to myself the more at peace I am and the more mm -hmm. I'm able to do something that actually matters to myself right. and to my mm -hmm. world and the better I'm able to connect. So I think having imagery helps, which is again, mm -hmm. why the ring helps having something tangible right. is a really important way to keep yourself grounded in your beliefs. Mm -hmm. uh, and my belief is that we're all pretty special and pretty amazing and all we need to do is kind of commit to caring for ourselves and from that place caring for each other yeah for sure because you can't do anything from an empty cup you got to fill your own that's why i always tell you put your mask on on the air, airplane right <laughs> can't help anybody else if you're gasping for air <laughs> yeah that doesn't work <laughs> Uh, so tell us, where can everybody find your books? And uh, is the other one you mentioned, is it already out or is it coming or what's going on? So I, I have three books. Two of them are out. The first one mm -hmm. is Self-Love Poetry for Thinkers and Feelers. Um, mm -hmm. It's a book of 200 poems about self-love. Um, the second one is the ABCs of Self-Love, which is a guided journal that'll help you discover who you are and how to care for yourself. Mm -hmm. Both of those are out and they're available wherever books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore can carry it. Um, and then the third one, which I'm super excited about is the shift poetry for a new perspective. Mm. And that comes out in September. It's currently available for pre-order wherever books are sold. 
And um, if you have questions about any of these books or any of the work that I do, I'm very easy to find Melody Godfred on Instagram, on TikTok, and my personal website too is Melody Godfred. And I love to hear from people. So my hope is that my poetry book will land on your bedside and you can use it as an oracle that reminds you every day that you are worthy of your own most abundant love mm. um, each and every day. I love that. That's so fantastic. Well, it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for being here and hanging out with me and uh, letting me pick your brain. <laughs> um, I hope we can do this again. I loved spending time yes. with you. Your questions are so thoughtful. You know, I just really love, I'm an innately curious person. So I really love to find out about people and their lives and where they've been and then how they're impacting the world. I just think that's so cool. Like, because you can really learn a lot about a person just having a conversation. <laughs> I really Thank like you. that. So, um, and your rings, you're, you're not making them anymore. Right. So I don't want to send people looking for you. I know I'm taking a break. That was also part yeah. of me honoring myself. Um, after, you know, I always joke, I was a career counselor for a long time mm. and people would come to me because they wanted a new job and they would end their old job and start their new job. And somehow I just keep adding jobs. And <laughs> I, I decided um, earlier this year that I deserve to only have one job at once. And mm. I also deserve to take care of my health because I have Hashimoto's, which is a autoimmune disease related to the thyroid, which mm -hmm. really affects women like thyroid issues affect women yeah. uh, disproportionately and increasingly so. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to create some space to take care of me and to practice what I preach about yeah. self-care. <laughs> so that's why I took a break from selling jewelry. Um, yeah. And it hasn't been easy. I'll be honest with you. It's been such yeah. a big part of my identity and such a beautiful gift I'm able to give to women who are ready to choose themselves. Um, mm -hmm. but, but what I will say is my greatest contribution to the world is authenticity and for me to be authentic and actually practice what I'm saying, taking this pause has been one right. of the most healing things I've ever done. So to anyone who's feeling um, burnt out, I would say, ask yourself, what is most important to you? And then follow it up with what are you willing to give up to make space for it? And for right. me, what was most important to me was making space for my health and, mm. um, I've had to give something up that's really precious to me, at least temporarily in order to make space for it, but I'm thriving as a result. So I, I hope if there's yeah. any parting message I can give, it's that letting go isn't losing and that there is healing and surrender. So mm -hmm. if you feel like you need a break, um, maybe give yourself one. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you don't, it'll, your body will give you that, for, it, it takes what it needs. Yeah. <laughs> so it, either you do it voluntarily or it'll happen involuntarily. Yeah. So better to do it when you, when it's on your terms. Yes. For sure. I, I do believe that my phone's ringing, but yeah, it's been great. I'm so excited to have had this conversation with you and yeah, we'll definitely have to do it again. I really enjoyed it. Thank so, you. Well, We'll chat a little bit after we stop, but yeah, I'm just, it was just such a great, great talk. Thank you.
Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you on the next Fabulous Women Over 40.